And so when others sin, they steal, they rob, innocent people will suffer. Uh, the second reason is often that God will test his subjects to see whether they are walking in his ways or not. And the third reason is to discipline us when we're out of bounds. And as we read the scripture in Isaiah 51, we're going to see how the Israelites are suffering through a series of, of uh, discipline. Um, and um, because uh, some of you know I've had some trouble with my vision, Tim Johnson has volunteered to read my scriptures for me. So Tim, would you uh, read Isaiah 51? Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness and who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were cut and the quarry from which you were hewn. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah, who gave you birth. When I called him, he was only one man, and I blessed him and made him many. The Lord will surely comfort Zion and will look with compassion on all of her ruins. He will make her deserts like Eden and her wastelands like the gardens of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her thanksgiving, and the sound of singing. Listen to me, my people, and hear me, my nation. Instruction will go out from me. My justice will be a light to the nations. My righteousness draws near speedily. My salvation is on the way, and my arm will bring justice to the nations. The islands will look to me and wait in hope for my arm. Lift up your eyes to the heavens. Look at the earth beneath The heavens will vanish like smoke. The earth will wear out as a garment, and its inhabitants die like flies. But my salvation will last forever. My righteousness will never fail. Hear me, you who know what is right, you people who have taken my instruction to heart. Do not fear the reproach of mere mortals or be terrified by their insults. For the moth will eat them up like a garment. The worm will devour them like wool. But my righteousness will last forever, my salvation through all generations. Awake, awake, arm of the Lord, and clothe yourself with strength. Awake as in days gone by, as in generations of old. Was it not you who cut Rahab to pieces, who pierced that monster through? Was it not you who dried up the sea, the waters of the great deep, who made a road in the depths of the sea so that the redeemed might cross over? Those the Lord has rescued will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. I, even I, am he who comforts you. Who are you that you fear mere mortals, human beings who are but grass? That you forget the Lord, your maker, who stretched out the heavens and who lays the foundations of the earth. That you live in constant terror every day because of the wrath of the oppressor who is bent on destruction. For where is the wrath of the oppressor? The cowering prisoners will soon be set free. They will not die in their dungeon, nor will they lack bread. For I am the Lord your God, who stirs up the sea so that its waves roar. The Lord Almighty is his name. I have put my words in your mouth and covered you with the shadow of my hand. I who set the heavens in place, who lay the foundations of the earth, and who say to Zion, you are my people. Awake, awake, rise up, Jerusalem, you who have drunk from the hand of the Lord the cup of his wrath, you who have drained to its dregs the goblet that makes people stagger. Among all the children she bore, there was none to guide her. Among all the children she reared, there was none to take her by the hand. 
These double calamities have come upon you. Who can comfort you? Ruin and destruction, famine and sword. Who can console you? Your children have fainted. They lie at every street corner like an antelope caught in a net. They are filled with the wrath of the Lord, with the rebuke of your God. Therefore, hear this, you afflicted one, made drunk but not with wine. This is what the sovereign Lord says, your God who defends his people. See, I have taken out of your hand the cup that made you stagger. From that cup, the goblet of my wrath, you will never drink again. I will put it in the hands of your tormentors, who said to you, Fall prostrate that we may walk on you. And you made your back like the ground, like a street to be walked on. Thank you, Tim. When uh, Jason asked me to uh, do this passage and I read through it the first time, I realized that he wanted me to talk about how important it is to have an excellent pest control program. Um, If you'll notice in verse 8, for the moths will eat them uh, uh, up like uh, garments, the the worm will um, devour them like wool. Clearly they don't have a good exterminating program in Israel in that day. So uh, I wanted to talk about that. But Jason said, no, no, no. Now, it's all about uh, drinking. <laughs> it's all about consuming the, the goblet and bottoms up and, and taking in uh, uh, the wrath of God. Oh, okay, well, we have another theme today then. Uh, so I don't need the pitchfork after all. Uh, <laughs> um Take note of the last uh, uh, verse in, in Isaiah 51. Fall prostrate that you may walk on, uh, that, that they may walk on you. And you um, made your backs like the ground, like a street to be walked on. Have you ever felt this way? Have you ever felt like the world's walking all over you? There's times when things aren't going exactly right. When reality rarely lives up to our expectations, and that has uh, things has happened, uh, our goals have fallen short. Um, I hear some of my non-Christians friends say things like, uh, "Life is tough, and then you die," um, or "That's bad luck." We as believers have a um, an extra challenge. Because uh, God's promise of salvation, uh, the things that we hear in that promise are things like peace, love, joy, happiness, prosperity. Uh, The sentiments of this season that we're in now. And how often are are these things elusive to us? Um, What do we do when uh, salvation seems to be Far off, hard to grasp. Uh, how do we handle it? Uh, what do you tell yourself uh, when you uh, can't pay your bills? Uh, when your spouse wants a divorce? When your children reject, reject everything you stand for? Uh, when your health fails you? Uh, when you have no job or you, have, uh, or you hate your job? Or any other thing that... Uh, that does not measure up to this salvation promise. We're going to look at three examples uh, from the scriptures. The first is from our passage regarding Abraham, and then we're going to take a look at Ruth, 
real quick. And then finally, we're going to look at the elder prodigal son. The elder son of the prodigal father of the prodigal son. Is that, am I getting there? <laughs> we're going to look at it. And so uh, to start off with, uh, Tim, would you reread verse 1 and 2 of, um, of Isaiah 51? Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness and who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were cut and to the quarry from which you were hewn. Look to Abraham your father and Sarah who gave you birth. When I called him, he was only one man, and I blessed him and made him many. Stand by right there, Tim, because my uh, the point I want to make here is Abraham, when he was given his promise, um, was... Um, was promised that his seed would become a nation. But he was over a hundred years old and he had no children. It's kind of hard to believe that promise. The, the expectation wasn't meeting up with the promise. The reality didn't meet with his expectation. He was expecting to be a father of many. That's what his name means. Abraham, father of many. Uh, but what does the scripture say about what happened to him? Go ahead, Tim. Read Romans chapter 4. What shall we say... About Abraham, our ancestor, according to the flesh, has discovered regarding this matter. For if Abraham was declared righteous by the works of the law, he has something to boast about, but not for, before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. For this reason, it is by faith, so it may be by grace, with the result that the promise may be certain to all the descendants, not only to those who are under law, but also those who have the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. Abraham's um, uh, realization of the promise that God um, gave him is being fulfilled even as we speak some 3,500 years later. Um, we are now in the midst of him being his promises being fulfilled. We not only see that um, uh, uh, he was made into the nation of Israel, but he was also the father of the faithful. Why? Because he believed. Because he believed what God said, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Uh, that is how we handle, uh, one of the ways that we can handle that disappointment that comes in our lives when our expectations fall short of, rea uh, of our reality, fall short of our expectations, uh, believing. Um, not only uh, did he have this um, uh, opportunity to father a genuine nation called Israel, but he also fathered the nation of all of us who believe. As it says in Romans, he is the father of us because he was the father of the belief. He, uh, he uh, bore that faithfulness and demonstrated it to us in his, in his um, actions and his faith. And as a result of that, he is the one that we call Father, Father Abraham. Uh, uh, Tim, would you mind uh, rereading uh, that Isaiah passage next? Awake, awake, arm of the Lord. Close yourself, clothe yourself with strength. Awake as in days gone by, as in generations of old. Was it not you who cut Rahab to pieces and pierced that monster through? Was it not you who dried up the sea, the waters of the great deep, who made a road in the depths of the sea so the redeemed might cross over? Thanks, Tim. Um, 
Abraham's nation was saved by God when it was brought out of Israel. And they made the, uh, uh, the Red Sea part and allowed them to pass over so that the pharaohs couldn't, would, couldn't catch up and, and destroy them. And likewise, God is not finished with his church either. There are going to be times in your lives when things fall short of, uh, of what you expect. And it is uh, the fact that you can look back in history and see how God has taken care of Israel that you can now look forward and know that God is going to take care of you as well. And so your situation, uh, we have to remember that we can't be, that, are, that, that sometimes it's all about God, not all about us. Uh, our situation is a, a small part of God's greater plan. And if Abraham had been selfish and insisted on having things his way so that he had many children, uh, the, the legacy of the church would not be here today. Uh, th- that faithfulness would have had to come through, through a different channel. And so you have to remember that sometimes it's not all about us that you're going to uh, affect the lives of others, your children, your ch- grandchildren, through the things that you do today. And we'll see that as we talk about Ruth. Uh, if you would turn to Ruth chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, Tim. Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side of the family named Boaz. He was a wealthy, prominent man from the clan of Elimelech. One day, Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the field so I can gather grain behind whomever permits me to do so. Naomi replied, You may go, my daughter. So Ruth went and gathered grain in the fields behind the harvesters. Now she just happened to end up in the portion of the field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Now, those of you who are not familiar with the story of Ruth, Ruth was a Moabite woman who was the daughter-in-law of Naomi. Uh, Naomi lost her husband, and uh, Ruth lost her husband and was childless. And Naomi went back to Israel, and, and Ruth followed her. And while they were in Israel, they were poor. They had no inheritance. They had no money. They had no place to live. They were dwelling amongst their people based on their charity. And, um, and we see that Ruth had in her heart the word of God, where, the, where it says that uh, for the poor you will, uh, will uh, allow them to glean. So the Israelites were not allowed to harvest in the corners of their fields. And they were only allowed to make one pass through, and anything that was left over, that was how the poor would be fed. And the poor were supposed to be allowed to go into their fields and collect this leftover grain and feed themselves. And Ruth knew this, and Ruth counted on this, and Ruth heard the word, she had it in her heart, and she acted on it. And as a result, we see later on in the story that she ends up marrying one of the richest guys in town. She gets taken care of rather well. This is another way that we can uh, uh, deal with when our uh, reality doesn't meet up with our expectations. Hide the word of God in your heart. Know it. Trust it. Believe it. Act on it. And you'll be rewarded for your faithfulness. You may not see all of it immediately. It's, it's not like a magic incantation where you can say abracadabra and the rabbit appears. It's more along the lines of... Uh, 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 demonstrating in your heart and in your actions that God is real in your life, that you know that he is going to be faithful to you. Remember what it says in, our, uh, in Isaiah 51, where it was talking about how you have drunk deep from the goblet of my wrath. You're going to be disciplined. But however, I'm going to make all of your deserts look like Eden. 
So God's promise to his people were that, yes, sometimes bad things happen to good people. But in the end, it's all going to work out so that you receive a blessing from him. Um, uh, do you really think, think about this, do you really think that Ruth ended up in Boaz's field by chance? Ruth knew the word. She trusted in it. Her expectations were that God would provide. And she trusted in the fact that because she was poor, God said in his word that I was going to uh, provide this method of feeding the poor through this gleaning. The problem was for Ruth is that not everybody was honoring the word of God at that time because this happened in the day of the judges. And in the day of the judges, the people did what was right in their own sight. So some people, most people, many people in those days, harvested the entire field and scraped it clean. And if gleaners came along, they'd chase them off. And so um, uh, Ruth was being provided for by God because of Boaz's faithfulness in allowing gleaners and not harvesting the corners of his field. Uh, Tim, would you pick up verse 16 there? I have put my words in your mouth and covered you with the shadow of my hand. I who set the heavens in place, who laid the foundations of the earth, and who say to Zion, you are my people. It says right in our scriptures uh, verse in, in, in Isaiah 51 that it's the word of the Lord that he puts in our hearts that has, that has come from the creator of the universe. Not just any old power, the power that created the universe. Um, now let's look at our uh, prodigal son. Uh, Tim, let me set this up a little bit. I don't know how many of you know the story of the prodigal son. Man had two sons. Jesus gave this parable. Man had two sons. One of them wanted his inheritance now and went off and squandered it. And the other one was a faithful son who stayed behind and, and, uh, and worked the fields and worked in his father's household and was obedient to his father at all times. The younger son, who squandered his wealth on um, wild living, came back, and his father threw him a party, because he was excited that he came back. And this is the reaction that the, son, the older son has to that party. Go ahead, Tim. But the older son became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and appealed to him, but he answered his father, Look! This many years I've worked like a slave for you and have never disobeyed your commands. Yet you never even gave me a goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But this son of yours came back, who has devoured your assets with prostitutes, and you killed a fattened calf for him. Then the father said to him, Son, you are always with me, and everything that belongs to me is yours. This older son was living like a slave in the midst of prosperity. Because he never recognized his sonship. The father was more than glad to share all that he had with his son. This older son. But he never lived like life like he was the son of a rich man. He said himself, I've worked like a slave in your fields. And he never even got a goat to have a little party with his friends. God's grace is greater than this. You have to live like you are the son of God or the daughter of God. 
you live like you are already rich. Because you are. Your father owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And all you have to do is ask. How often do we not realize how wonderful is our Heavenly Father? Now, I know in our culture it's very popular to think about superheroes. We often see them in comic books, in movies, uh, even in antiquity. Um, we often uh, have these um, superhero uh, uh, stories that we like to listen to. And you know uh, Hercules and his great strength from the Greek myths. Uh, Batman and his high-tech gadgets that he depends upon. Luke Skywalker and the power of the Force. What is, in your, in your opinion, who is the most powerful superhero out there? Jesus. Jesus. I like that answer. <laughs> when in doubt in church, the answer is Jesus. And Jesus is the most powerful superhero. But amongst the comic book superheroes, who do you think is the most powerful? Who? I can't hear you. Yoda. Yoda. Uh, maybe. Superman. Superman. Where does Superman get his power? The sun. The yellow sun. Now I'm telling you that God created that sun. And you have the ability to be a superhero your very self. Because God has given you the authority to call on him at any time. And to ask whatever you need. And He will give it to you. He is chomping at the bit to bless you. But are you ready? Will you squander it on your own behalf? Or will you use it to glorify His name? That's the only reason why you don't have what you need. is because for some reason you're not ready. Remember those three reasons why bad things happen to good people? Because the world is a sinful place. And if somebody kicks in my back door and comes into my house and steals my television set, I'm at a loss. I have suffered as a result of that other man's or person's sin. The second one is because God is testing us. He is growing you up. And when you get through kindergarten, he's going to give you the final exam to find out if you're ready for first grade. And when you pass first grade, he's going to give you a test to see if you're ready for second grade. And so on and so forth, as he matures you and makes you more and more in the image of his son. Every day you're going to be tested by God. So count on it. Count on it every day that somebody's going to cut you off in traffic. My personal pet peeve is when somebody uses the shoulder of the road as a lane. I hate it. I want to say bad things about him. I'm being tested. Right? Every day, little things like that will happen. But also, every day, big things will happen, too. You know, I, I have Tim reading for me right now. And the reason why I have Tim reading for me is because I can't read for myself. I had eye surgery a few weeks ago. My health had failed me. You know, I, I paid a lot of money to get uh, these implants put in my eyes, and they didn't work. It's terrible. It's, it's difficult. God's testing me. And I say glory to God because he's given me the opportunity to be able to stand up here and divide the word of God with you. And I can speak from experience that sometimes reality doesn't measure up to our expectations. Because I would love to be able to see clearly. It would en I, would, I would enjoy it tremendously if I knew who was sitting where. <laughs> and see, there's a blue blur over there. Oh, there's a red blur back in the corner. 
Uh, I see some red hair back there, so I think that's Luis. <laughs> I'm assuming this. Uh, there's Jason over there, because I, I heard his voice <laughs> when he yelled out Jesus. But I can't see any of you. <laughs> I don't know who's out there. And I praise God every day that, this, that, that he's testing me in this way. I hope that I measure up so that I can graduate to whatever grade he wants to move me on to. Tim, would you read verse 7? Seven, uh, uh, seven, seven. Uh, I believe this is coming from Matthew. Yes. Ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be open. Is there anyone among you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, although you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? In everything, treat others as you would want them to treat you, for this fulfills the law and the prophets. Thanks, Tim. This, this verse was a, an extreme challenge to me when I first read it many years ago because it talked about what father when someone would when when his son would ask a loaf of bread would give him a stone does anybody know a father like that my dad would my dad would have given me a stone and he would have thought it was hilarious if i had asked for a fish he would have given me a snake and told all his friends how shocked I was when I saw that I had a snake instead of a, instead of a fish. So it was a real challenge for me to overcome this, this barrier of the image of a heavenly father. Because my earthly father was uh, uh, such a poor representation of who that, what that role should be like. So God wants to bless us. He desires to give you that fish. He desires to give you that bread. He is chomping at the bit to do this for you. But we sometimes get in our own way. Like the Israelites in in Psalm 51. I mean, in Isaiah 51. The Israelites are getting in their own way. They're, They're outside of God's will and he's disciplining them. He's causing them to drink the cup of wrath. And he's not only making them drink the cup of wrath, but he's making them drink the cup of wrath until it's empty. But he's going to pass that cup on to those that are persecuting him eventually. Tim, would you read, um, uh, I think this is James, James, chapter 4, verse 1. Where do the conflicts and where do the quarrels among you come from? Is it not from this, from the passions that battle inside you? You desire, but you do not have... You murder and envy, and you cannot obtain. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly, so you can spend it on your passions. You adulterers, do you not know that friendship with the world means hostility towards God? So whoever decides to be the world's friend makes him God's enemy. Or do you think that Scripture means nothing when it says, the spirit that God caused to live within us? Has an, oops, has an envious yearning. But he gives greater grace, and therefore it says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Amen. So the third key 
is to remember to humble yourself and to be bold, to enter into the Holy of Holies with boldness and ask what you need. But remember to have the right motives. So when your reality doesn't meet up with your expectations, when you're suffering through the holiday season without joy, without peace, without happiness, without prosperity, remember that these three key things will help you get through this. This is the greater grace that God has offered to you. Now, I want you to look at Isaiah 51, and I want you to look at the last verse of Isaiah 50. I believe it's 11. And the first verse of Isaiah 51, and somebody yell out what they see in between there. Anybody? Oh, sorry. Okay. Anybody see anything else? Jason, you say anything? Okay. That's what I'm looking for. 51. There's that 51 in there. You know that 51 was not there when Isaiah wrote it. In fact, all the chapter divisions and verse divisions are not part of the original, original canon of Scripture. So last week when Jason was talking about salvation, this sustaining grace that God gives us, this greater grace that God gives us, is an extension, an addition, a, the rest of the story, you might say, of that salvation. It is that which God uses to mold you and shape you into the image of Jesus Christ. So when Jason talked about salvation last week, I'm talking about the same thing, only the next step. So, this is what you need to do when you're, when you're suffering through these things, is to remember, A, it's bigger than you. B, God's promises will be fulfilled, but not necessarily in your timeline. C, keep the Word of God in your hearts and act on it. And B, pray and ask God to help you through it. Let us pray. Our gracious Lord and Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity to bow our heads and call out your name and be ushered into your presence. I ask now, Lord, that uh, this word might might fall on good soil and that it might take root, that we might take it to heart and learn from it that we might be prepared to go through good times and bad, to endure prosperity and poverty in the same level of grace, with the same poise, with the same amount of love for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.